This copyrighted podcast of the James Perspective has been paid for and funded by James M. Wilkerson. Any rebroadcast, reproduction, or other use of this podcast are a permutation and combination of words and sentences used in this podcast without the express written consent of James M. Wilkerson and the James Perspective is strictly prohibited. Don't you want me to love you? I'm coming down fast, but I'm miles above you. Tell me, tell me, tell me the answer. You may be a lover, but you ain't no dancer. So today we're not podcasting. Helter Skelter. We're just singing. Helter Skelter. Mm-hmm. Apparently James didn't trust me that I was going to bring that in as a tag. <laughs> I figure he can cut it if he wants to put better. I wanted him to put that on there, and if he wasn't going to do it, I was going to sing it. Well, I thought it was a then beautiful I'm going to put it on there. Trust me, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Thank you. Good morning. We got we got Glenn here, who's going to be talking about Charles Manson and company. We got Sarah, who she knows them personally. And I'm drinking an energy drink, so I'm in a very good mood today. And okay. Charlotte, who's heard about Helter Skelter since she's met me. I knew about Helter Skelter when it happened. I guess my dad was talking about hippies. Yes, and then on top of it, Dwayne <laughs> is on a magical mystery tour. So this is Beatles Day. Yeah, there's a lot of Beatles influence on this whole thing. <laughs> but Dwayne is traveling. Endorse Day. I don't think uh, if we have to cut it out, I will. I don't think, I think it's okay. Dwayne is going and working, uh, has a contract where he's going to different prisons and making sure that, that uh, the prisoners can get porn. Is that the purpose of this? Mm. Mm. No, it, it's the technology, but I don't think that's the goal. Okay. Um, I was like, America's finally doing it. We're getting it together and taking care of what's important. Fine. Anyway, I'm. Uh, you can tell we're in a good mood. The donuts were hot this morning. Now, the only thing was is that I didn't get any PJ's coffee. Is it my fault or yours? It is your fault. Yes. Because there is PJ's coffee here. Both your wife and I have PJ's coffee in our PJ's mugs now. As Sarah says, 3D dimension. Dimensional. Three dimensional. Dimensional uh, high premium cups. And uh, <laughs> the that's why we're both ready to go. That's right. Hmm. Okay. Well, let's, before we get to the bottom of the slide, let's go back to the top. And we'll All go right. for a ride. Well, today... We're going to be exploring, and I'm heavily relying on a book by Tom uh, Odette O'Neill, uh, who he researched for 20 years, called Chaos, the 60s um, movement and the Manson-LaBianca murder, or Tate-LaBianca murders. He doesn't call the Manson murders. He always calls it Tate-LaBianca, so we remember who was I always killed. say Tate-LaBianca. Mm-hmm. He calls it LaBianca, so that's what I'm using. That's where Rush Limbaugh, that was his ever. Yeah. Okay. So, um, the 
for those who may not know, uh, in about August of 1969, there was a horrific uh, murders at uh, Sharon Tate's home where they found her murdered with all occupants inside murdered as well. And they, uh, it was horrific. And there were writings on the wall in blood, kill all the pigs. So this was at that time. And, you know, maybe we're a little more desensitized. now. They wrote Helter Skelter to a misspelled Helter. Yeah, well, what are you going to do? Uh, murderers aren't good spellers, I guess. Um, <laughs> not neither are hippies. So, <laughs> so especially not murderer right. hippies. The Down hippie with the man. Murderers, yes. Oh yeah. <laughs> okay, now um, this was a just watershed moment, and during this period, it was also called, and I think in 1967, the Summer of Love where we had all this hippie movement, peace, love, joy, drugs, sex, uh, was just, you know, do that. It was actually pretty controversial if you had, as a male, long hair and jeans on at the time. That shows you a little bit about the time. Uh, Because you were supposed to wear, you know, your chinos and your button-down shirts. And many, many people in their early 20s, that's how they dressed. Chinos and button-down shirts because that's what you're supposed to do. Clean I did. cut, they called it. I don't. I lived there in that time. I don't remember the word chino. Well, chino is a word for like slacks. Okay, they're just your like straight normal pants. Okay, yeah. yes, my dad wore slacks. He did not wear jeans. Right, jeans was a radical thing. That just shows you a little bit about the how far it's come. You just don't remember the day. It's rad, not radical. It's rad. That That's earlier, and it was not used <laughs> in 1967. Messing with you. All right, I get the picture. The hippies are out there. If you're not, if you're not, if you're not wearing the the right clothing, if you're wearing hippie clothing, you're being you're setting yourself apart. We also had the Black Panther Party. That was quite a. Uh, it was you know actually, if you look back on it now and, and see their goals, you're kind of going. You know, if you took out White Devil out of everything they said and put communist, they would have sounded like John Wayne uh, in a lot of ways. You know, we're going to protect ourselves. We believe in the Second Amendment. All sorts of things that, you know, right now seems um, conservative. Rad. Rad. Okay. Okay. <laughs> we're we're going to get that movie because there is a movie from the 90s called Rad. I don't know if James even knows about it. No. And it is, uh, it's a BMX type of movie. It's about bicycles. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go back to what y'all are talking about, which is the Black Panther Party. Uh, I can't hear the word Black Panther Party without thinking about Forrest Gump <laughs> and the way that he says Black Panther Party. So that's, that was going through my yeah. mind. Well, uh, you know, run, Forrest, run. Anyway, um, <laughs> I know that movie. Boom, 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 boom. Oh, gosh. Boom, We're getting too many movie references. I'm so sorry, ladies and <laughs> gentlemen. All right. So we, then we've got that going on. This was um, for the Intel community. They saw the Black Panther Party as a horrible threat. Many people did, actually. If you were conservative, you were against Black Panthers. And they were scary, you know. 
these were, you felt like they didn't think they had the that they would be okay with violating the law, so you weren't safe. Or, yeah, and they like to carry guns, and they were open about that. Um, so, and they also, you know, said white men are the people who should die. Yeah, they they stated these things. So remember, that's part of this. You then had um, the summer of love, where you had Woodstock, you had all all these hippie movement, and Timothy was, O'Leary. Yeah, it was a uh, liberal left wing movement at the time. Not like we have now, which is a liberal communist movement, but this had, you know, communist overtones. It had, and, you know, America needs to change kind of thought process. And if you're over 30, don't trust those people. All these things were things that were said by this movement. But it was also, you know, they had flower children is what they called them. They put flowers in their hair and their Everything's fine. If you we go to San Francisco. Okay. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Calm down. And they Calm really down, liked Jane. meditation. They, <laughs> they were trying all sorts of things, along with drugs and sex. Um, these. I don't know about the drugs so much. Huh? I don't know about the drugs so much. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. Maybe you don't know the drugs, but. Psilocybin. <laughs> That was one, mm -hmm. but most of it was LSD, <laughs> which we'll get into later. Um, Lucy in the sky. Lucy in the sky would die. Yes. Um, so in this environment, you had this character named Charles Manson. He was a career, pretty much a career criminal. His mother was a prostitute. He was dropped off different places as his mother went to jail. Uh, sometimes with his grandparents, sometimes with just strangers. She went to jail with his grandparents? No. He was dropped off as oh. a young child. Okay. She, okay. I was confused. Uh, that was a good question. Thank but you it was for a that. good question. Mm -hmm. yeah. Anyway, they, you have him in this environment. He gets out in, I think, the late 50s and actually requested, couldn't you just keep me in here? I like it in here. Little known fact about Mr. Manson is he wanted to stay in jail. That was in the Helter Skelter book. He yeah. wanted to stay in. It's like a family thing. Like they all enjoy jail, it seemed like. Yeah, yeah. Well, he did. It's yeah. for them. Uh, I had a guy one time plea, and he wanted to plea in a way that he would end up in the same prison as his father. Aw. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's so sweet. Aw. <laughs> <laughs> so sweet. Gosh. Oh, wow. You're just dripping with honey all over me, Jay. What a world. Uh, such such a touching story. And that place was Angola. Oh, good. Poor thing. Yeah. What did he do? Did he like commit a crime intentionally or was it, it more like, I'll just do anything to get there? You worked that case. Okay, cool. With me. It sounds familiar, but what a sweet story. It's so sweet. That I, I would do the same for they you. Did. They yeah, did. Yeah, I would, I would transition to mail and say, can I be in my same, the same prison with my dad? Yeah. Okay. Glenn. This is very, we're making this, this is, difficult, aren't we? Oh, hell yes. This thing is complicated <laughs> enough without yes. you two okay. going off on every we little need. tangent we can find. Okay. I'm the one who does so that. So Charles part. Manson really likes Jill. This is my place, is what he said. Let's let Glenn. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Somewhere. Yes. Okay. Sorry. Okay. So we get, we get that. <clears throat> now he gets out and what I think people don't realize or don't fully comprehend is 1967 to 69, he develops a cult. He does all these 
murdery things. And uh, he, you know, apparently was never put in jail during that whole time. Okay. In other words, before he, once he gets out in the late 50s, till he gets into the 67, when he goes to aid Ashbury to, because his parole officer thought the energy would be good for him. Oh, we're talking about that thing Charlotte was talking about with Linda Ronstadt? No, I don't think Linda's involved in this particular story. Hate Ashbury? Hate Ashbury. Yeah, that was... Hate Ashbury's a street in San Francisco. Oh. But that's where a lot of... But that's where it was congregated. I got you. But you can't deny that link. Yeah. Don't bend over there. We'll also talk about another code Hate Ashbury uh, CIE thing in a minute. Okay. Okay. So anyway, he goes there, and in two, less than two years, he orchestrates these people, this commune at a ranch in that area. Spawn Ranch. Spawn Ranch. And he does all this nefarious stuff, and they have the Tate LaBianca murders in August of 69. You know, I don't think we, we kind of think that he'd been building this commune for, you know, years, right? That's kind of what my impression was when I first started looking into this. No, it was an incredibly short time that he did all this. Before that, he was doing petty crimes, basically. He, uh, you know, and he had this one parole officer who uh, he was, and I'm trying to remember his name, sorry. We'll get to that in a minute. I'll, I'll, it'll come to me before you know it. Um, who was hanging out with him. Basically, it was a program at the time, and, and his parole officer, they don't really know where he came from. He just kind of showed up. He was a criminology major. He kind of showed up. All of a sudden, normally what they do, parole officers had you know anywhere from 36 to 56 uh, people they had to Parolees. check on. Parolees. Right. Well, Yellow ticket they leave. were that they were saying, look, that's not working. We need to get to fewer so we can really keep track of these guys and gals, but mainly guys. So anyway, they do that. This parole officer turns out, for some ungodly reason, only had Charles. That's all he had. Uh, his only parole. That's a nice workload. You Was his name Javert? We call it a handler. I will, find, I will find his name in a minute, y'all. I am so sorry because for some reason that's course, the one critical thing I... We do understand if you turn off the podcast now, you can't handle it anymore. We don't have the name. Do we need the policy? You can get it or you got your one? Well, well, let's keep going. Okay. It'll come to you. It'll come to me or I'll run across it here in a minute. Anyway, his name was Smith, was it? Roger Smith. Roger Smith. Sorry. And the reason I conflate that is there's also another type of, well, we'll call it a clinic that Bill Smith Who's a totally different guy. Roger. Mr. Smith. Yeah, they're both named Smith, by the way. Yes. Matrix. Yeah. Uh, We got it. And, you know, I think there's an Anderson connection somewhere. Anyway, uh, those of you who like the Matrix. Uh, (laughs) So we've got, we've got (laughs) his, Roger Smith, his pro officer. Even after, and it seems like Charles would get in trouble, he did a lot of going to Mexico at this time. In fact, his parole officer told the the parole board, oh, yeah, I sent him down there. 
He has permission. To go to Mexico, leave the country. Mm -hmm. Yes, even though he was under, you know, which is totally illegal, by the way, um, at the time. So you've got, it's like this get out of jail free card that you keep having. And this get out of jail free card is, seems to be around Charles. All right. So we, we get, and Charles starts, you know, he, He's going around during the Summer of Love. One of the things in the Summer of Love was there was a Haight-Ashbury Clinic started by Mr. Bill Smith. It's like H-A-I-G-H-T, not like hate. They don't hate Ashbury. Hate. I thought they were against Methodist. No. They probably are. They probably were at the time. Um, they're against Christians in general. But anyway, <laughs> so you have this... Um, Time when you had a, and I'm trying to get this guy's name, Jolly West. Okay. That sounds like a real name. It is, actually, but oh. it's Lynn J. West, and they called him Jolly. Ah. See? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Lynn J. was the J. Jerry? Did he, did he play in the NBA and shoot his free throws like granny shots? No. Okay. Dang. I'm not getting anything. Like I know. Like, you're, this is like... Zero over 10 right now. Jeez. Okay. Okay. So you've got Jolly West, who turns out to be contracted by the CIA to do mind control research for MKUltra. All right. Now we'll get more into that in a minute. Uh, So Jolly is down there at the exact same time when Charles brings his girls to the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinic. And every, you know, witness after witness that was interviewed by Tom O'Neill that were still alive said, oh, yeah, Charlie, Charlie and the girls, they all, you know, they come down, they get free claim because basically Charlie's girls were his uh, personal or private prostitutes. Mm-hmm. He would bring people to the ranch, men to the ranch. They would have sex with these girls. The girls would do it. And yeah, yeah, we didn't know if they were, you know, their statements were, we weren't sure if Charlie was bringing, you know, a lot of guys come out and they might have been drug dealers or something else or someone for guns. We don't know, but we'd have sex with them. Well, that got them to have a few, well, what we might call STDs. So they needed treatment regularly. Is that a gas treatment? Yes, it is. Not STP, STD. Okay. Dang. Uh, mm, this is just getting embarrassing now. Yeah, it, it is. is. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so you've got that going on. He's at that clinic the same time Mr. Jolly West is there, Dr. Jolly West. He actually was an academic. He was a psychologist, criminologist from Oklahoma University. Oh, boy. And he later was at Cornell as the head of their psychology department. Why would you name a school after a vegetable? I don't understand. Well, Cornell's a vegetable. Maybe because you- Corn. Oh. Because you mm-hmm. you make them into vegetables. Right. Anyway. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that was yes. a good one. Ding, 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 ding. So well, anyway, all of my out. stupid jokes, and I'm funny. You make one stupid joke, and it's funny. <laughs> it's a dead joke. <laughs> anyway, so jo- Jolly was down there doing his research. Uh, now, there's no actual, we, can, we know they were there at the same time. Do we know they talked or got together? There's no evidence of that. However, 
since he was actually doing his research at that clinic on people unbeknownst to them. His research, according to MKUltra, which came out in the 70s, uh, there was hearings on it, was to develop mind control so you could implant directions or information or, you know, assassinate this person. They would assassinate the Manchurian candidate. Really, truly, the Manchurian candidate was what he was working on. I didn't see that movie. And basically, it was, you're a normal person. Someone calls you and says, now, and you go kill somebody, and you forget everything about it. The woods are lovely, dark, and deep. Okay. And yeah. What a, yeah another, another string of lyrics, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, that was from a porn. Oh, okay. But That's beautiful anyway, still. He was learning how to do this. He was a noted researcher at the time. LSD was very new. No one had done it. He'd done the most research on LSD. And he also was an expert on human violence. I don't know, but that he was known as a human violence expert. And this expertise, he was in papers all the time. Uh, Tom O'Neill actually interviewed him for Unrelated when he worked for Premier Magazine. He interviewed him about stalkers. And he was, oh, yeah, you got to talk to Jolly. He knows everything about that. Okay, so this is the guy that was in the Haight-Ashbury Clinic doing research. He also set up, and they used to call this, uh, what was it, Midnight Climax. The CIA did actually do a thing where they were experimenting on people without their knowledge, Johns, because they set up a bordello that they would then give them LSD and observe what happened. So this is another weird reference, but in Idiocracy, you remember they had the guy, the military guy going undercover in that den of drugs and prostitutes. Yeah. And he was, and he became so enamored with the, the pimp that he became <laughs> he became a pimp as well. It was funny. Anyway. So this was the precursor to skull to interface technology. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it's skull to interface technology. I don't think Neuralink is really trying to control anybody. They're trying to get them to interface with computers. You know, you would not be talking about this if they did not interface with you already. Well, okay. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they were doing this with LSD, okay? <laughs> that was their first foray into it. All right. Now, Jolly West was doing all this work research, and he he kept showing up at very strange places as far as, as he goes through his career or life or whatever. Um, one of them was a uh, young man who, uh, he was an airman. He, um, what happened is a family was, it was a heat wave back then. People didn't have air conditioning. They took, I don't know if this is a good idea, but they took their kids and their three-year-old to a bar. They played in the uh, parking lot while they went in, apparently got cool, as it were. Uh, Later, they found the uh, three-year-old girl murdered and raped. Now, two fellows that just happened to be at the bar found this guy who was, you know, he, he had cuts and bruises all over his body and he didn't know where, how he got there 
or really who he was. He turned out to be an airman at the Air Force Base. He had two kids, never was a problem, never in jail, never anything. But they said, this is the guy who killed this little girl because he happened to be right there. Then they find the little girl in a gravel pit. Mm. Okay. Now you could have you could have skipped this part of the story. I could have, but it has to do with Mr. Jolly became his psychologist. Does he get his jollies doing this? Uh, maybe so. But uh, West was his psychologist. He just showed up. Said, yeah, I need wow. to talk to him. Okay, West is talking to him, and guess why the guy confessed? He confessed because Jolly put him on sodium pentothal and got the confession out. Gee, isn't that convenient? Now, wow. this shows you where he's, he shows up at times like that. Now, uh, there's speculation that that was a beginning thought process. After this, uh, Tom O'Neill found letters that he wrote to his colleague, uh, and I will get his name because I actually wrote that down, Sidney Gottlieb. Sidney Gottlieb, mm-hmm. guess who was head of MK Ultra? Sydney Gottlieb, uh, the and CIA program. MK Ultra, like this is the thing too for people who don't know anything about it. Um, although I'm, I would be shocked if our listeners didn't. Uh, it's like a, it was a confirmed yeah. thing. It was confirmed. This is In actually what our government did. Yeah, they were they were using drugs to do wild things to people, and it wasn't just wild; it was horrible things to certain people. Like there Without were, their yeah, there were consent. some innocent people who had no clue why their lives had just all of a sudden done a one eighty, and they were. Well, I mean, could crazy. this stuff make a tech professor dance in his underwear in the parking lot, or make a Baptist preacher dress like dance a dress like a lady? Absolutely. That's, uh, that's, I think that may be the whole thing, but they don't use drugs anymore. They just reinforce it through TikTok. Anyway. Okay. <laughs> okay. So Sidney Gottlieb headed the CIA, and he was a chemist as well. Gee, isn't that interesting? That's convenient. Uh, okay. And Tom O'Neill found letters between uh, Jolly West and Sidney Godley, because Jolly always said, I never had anything to do with it. They asked me to put LSD. I wouldn't do it. And he, he, he said that to his grave, and he was aggressive at suing anybody who would even think about telling. Him. All right. Then he finds these letters. He goes, well, this is how we need to do the, the research to Godley. <laughs> and here's how we'll hide it. You know, he had found all these letters. So the letters specifically talk about LSD? Question LSD, mark? how to change someone's mind so they will kill somebody, uh, the whole program. He not only was uh, part of it, he was the blueprint architect of it. In other words, the CIA used his framework to build the MK Ultra program, which was originally called, um, started out as Project Bluebird, then Project Artichoke, and this was in the 40s they started this program, by the way, <laughs> right after the war. So we went from corn now to artichoke. Artichoke, yeah. It's always seemed like there's a vegetable involved. Uh, but it was really designed to make assassins they could turn on and off. And they would not know who, how, where, you know, they just like this young airman, wouldn't know who, where they, how they got there. They wouldn't know have any memory of what happened and they don't even know the person involved. So the, this 
you know, the airmen's, you know, apparently the little girl and the airmen, that was considered by many people who've looked into this, experts, a, the experiment gone wrong. In other words, they had him program something, set him off, and this little girl happened to be there. Oh, no. So, you know. That can't be Oh, I say, I say. And that he did do it. Uh, bizarrely, uh, Jolly got in his confession that he thought the little girl was his cousin who abused him when he was a small boy, and he had to kill her. That's mm -hmm. what he... Okay, so it's twisted as hell. Messed yeah. up minds. Right. Yeah. All right, so you get in that. So this fella who's doing this research happens across to be in the same clinic where he's doing the research and where he has hippie commune safe houses, they called them, which were really... CIA. Yeah, CIA uh, bordello kind of. Mm -hmm. And he, he even had six um, graduate assistants working on this project, and he said, uh, you need to start wearing jeans, grow your hair long, and we're going to lure people in to experiment on so, without their knowledge. So they had a dress code. And they were encouraged encouraged to also take the LSD. And they, some of them really liked it, so they kept doing it. Uh, he, he knows this because he, he got hold of some of the graduate assistants' diaries. And they were saying they didn't know why, what, what is Jolly doing? We don't understand. But boy, I like the drugs. Heck know? yeah. Wow. Okay. And he described it as a uh, hippie commune. And, and what do we call it? A experimental lab disguised as a hippie commune. <laughs> That's what Jolly described it to uh, our Mr. Godley. Okay. So the CIA basically had been doing this research for 25 years. When it came out in the 70s, that guess what? This is a secret program. And they had hearings on it. And one of the things, y'all remember Richard Helms, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, he was head of CIA too. Yeah, he was. Mm -hmm. He was the one who said, destroy all the records of MKUltra, please. Oh. That was Enron. No, it wasn't Enron. It was the records of MK Ultra. That's one of the reasons they don't know how much they did, how far they went. These are all stories until Tom O'Dell, through happenstance, there was a whistleblower who said, I know where some records are that they never burned. These were mainly records of um, income tax. The agents? No, they were records of financial transactions. Okay. Oh. Okay. And they were. Un, they hadn't been processed. They were at the, his office in UCLA. Okay. Godley's uh, office. In, uh, not Godley, but uh, Jolly West. He was at UCLA, and, and those were stored there. And no one forgot about them, but the whistleblower knew they were there. So Tom went there. He got, you know, and then it's kind of hard. You have to go in. They can make photocopies for you. But he basically had to spend an entire summer looking through all these records. He thought there might be something there, and sure enough, he found the letters between uh, Jolly West and Don. So, so we have actual evidence he was part of it, and he was named on it because uh, in 1974, um, a uh, journalist, you know, broke that story. 
because they were doing the hearings. And it, it was very controversial at the time. The listeners you know, need to know back in the 60s, they had journalists. I know that you don't know. Yeah, actual journalists. He, he ironically worked for the Washington Post, though. So <laughs> Seriously, what's a journalist? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> might have to. Actually, you know what? I finally watched a real journalist. Uh, he's in Israel right now. And um, it's, it is interesting. Uh, I don't know this guy's name. I just accidentally found him. Um, but it's interesting to see somebody really report on what's going on. So yeah. like, I didn't know that, uh, sorry, I would just do a really quick break. Um, I didn't know that, uh, there were like a lot of cowboys from like, you have Arkansas, you have Montana stuff like that. They're going over to Israel to help, uh, harvest, um, crops because they don't have anybody doing that right now. They're having problems with the food. I, so, I, saw, cool. I didn't read it. I saw a headline on that. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. All right. Sorry. Sorry. Right. Let's, yeah, go back to the silent, <laughs> let's go back to the silent, silent who did. Do All right. But one of the letters also said about the time of the airman's case, he said, I now have a process and found technology that, will, uh, that I can implant false memories in someone's mind. And this was almost immediately after. He got the confession from the airman. Okay. He said, I also have technology to change, uh, get, make people forget, do something, and then take the memory out. I can also replace it with false, and they will believe it totally. Okay. Here's, yeah, Jolly being his name. Anyway. So he, <laughs> so he, he has this, these letters, and so this is kind of a revelation to him. And Tom O'Neill spent 20 years researching this book. It became an obsession. It started as a story and became kind of his obsession. And, uh, you know, he went through thick and thin to get it done. Uh, and if you just look at his office, it's covered with binders, maybe three, four, five hundred binders in this office, and it's all his research. And he's very careful to not bring forth anything that he hasn't been able to establish. He'll speculate every once in a while, but he doesn't like to. All right. Now, as far as why did Charles pick the Tate household? Now we're going to go into speculation. Have no evidence of this. But what, they took it from the Beach Boys. Well, okay, this is part of it. That's not the entire thing. But yes, Tate uh, and Roman Polanski, uh, Sharon Tate and Roman Polanski, lived at that house, and it was known as the social uh, hub of Hollywood at the time. 10050 Cielo Drive. Cielo Drive, yes. Um, so this is like, and this also a lot of, you know, mama cast, um, there's a bunch of, you know, Warren Beatty, Jake Cahill, uh, um, gosh, lots of, uh, named stars went there, but they also were what they called the white Panthers. Never heard of that. They were, they were. Funnily, that's why the CIA named them the White Panthers, because they were giving money, raising money for the Black Panthers. Really? Really. And they were under surveillance by the CIA. By and they the, were hanging around with Tate? They were at her house. And Abigail Because that's Folgers? where all the orgies were. 
So you're saying Abigail Folgers just didn't just smoke pot. She was doing other things too. Uh, more than likely, although I have no evidence. Okay. Bad people. I always thought her name was Mama Katz. So Mama that Katz. just changed my life. Yeah. 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 Uh, Charlotte would not let me go there. Mm. Well, no. probably a good thing, James. Anyway, uh, there. Um, so you also have this, you know, and so if you lay, think about Charlie Manson, he did all these little petty crimes all the time. He did things that were considered felonies by transporting stolen cars across Mexico border. He did all this. Yeah, he opened up a chop, a chop shop at the, at the Spawn Ranch. Yeah. Chop shop. So he did all this. He also transferred underage girls for prostitution. He did all sorts of horrible things. Police, LAPD, knew about it. And, you know, he was trying to say, well, why didn't his parole officer do anything? We don't know. He just didn't. He was busy because he had one pe- one to take He care had of. that one guy. <laughs> he also... I bet uh, you Charles will keep you busy. Charles, well, <laughs> Charles also had his... Oh, hold on, Glenn. Charles got to go. Do you have anything you want to add real quick? No, I'm looking forward to listening to this. And thank you for the PJ's coffee. It was wonderful. Well, that means that you're mic'd up now, Dwayne. All right, Dwayne, you're mic'd up, baby. We've mic'd you up, Dwayne. I don't know if the audience knows that, but Dwayne hold is on. getting mic'd up. You are now on, Dwayne. Welcome, welcome to a mic. Sweet. <laughs> All right. So that's one. By the way, I, I live in Los Angeles area in the. I was born in 66. I was there till, through the early 70s. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad you didn't hang around with the Tates. Yeah, we were. Uh, yeah. Okay. So so are you following everything so far? I, I am. This is uh, fascinating. I didn't know a lot of this background. Okay. Are we back? We're back. Okay. So <clears throat> you've got all this uh, coincidence, we'll call it. And the helter-skelter narrative is that, as I remember, Charlie Manson thought this there was going to be a race war, that the African-Americans would win. But because they, and I do not agree with any of this, by the way, uh, and because they were so stupid, he would bring his family into the desert in what he would call a bottomless pit. And he would uh, then, they would repopulate the earth with smart Caucasians who would then take over and run the world. To quote him, pat them on their fuzzy head and tell them to go pick cotton. Oh, God. That's yeah. exactly how he was quoted. Uh, what a statement. Oh, yeah. So, Charlie was, you know, now this was the Helter Skelter. Right. Nerd. May I say this? I have read extensively on this. Probably surprised you that I've read something on something. I've read extensively on this. I never, ever, ever bought that. And it, it doesn't it seem kind of and and if you go back, there is one obscure, I think, interview with either Penthouse or somebody like that. That um, the guy who wrote Helter Skelter or the Bugalosi. Bugalosi. Yeah, he was in Playboy. Yeah, Playboy, and he uh, said. They ask him, did you think this was the real reason? Do you think Manson believed this helter-skelter narrative? He goes, no, he was a con man. He was too smart to believe it, but he got his people to believe it. That's the only reference he ever made of that. And then he changed it in the book saying, no, he totally believed it. Well, he t- because he told that to a jury. 
because that's the only way he could get right. it because he wasn't there at the murders. I, if I was on the jury, I'd have gone like, you know, you could have just said that he had these hippie chicks and got, had him go do that. He wouldn't have had to. But see, the problem was he didn't go. They were trying to connect him to the crime. They could yeah. get the girls. They could get tax. Yeah. They just couldn't get him. And so they were looking for a rate. But I, I, I thought, you know, here's the thing. Just on the lawyer side of it. Right. When I first read this stuff, I was not a lawyer. But when I became a lawyer, I went, oh, you just gave the jury a reason to convict. That's all you did. Yeah. That was the only yeah. Thing. And, and we'll get into Bugalosi in a minute. Uh, <laughs> that's also an interesting thing. Um. So, you know, so you've got all this conflance, and then all of a sudden, the thing that they were trying to work on ironically happens with the Tate LaBianca murders, the CIA, the MK Ultra. Say that again? They're trying to get people to murder people on command. And then you have Charlie Manson, who gets people to murder on command. He did it. Yeah, but you mentioned the LaBiancas. The LaBiancas were also. They, they, the LaBiancas were part of that whole thing. The Tate, then the LaBianca. Okay, so you're just saying time. that they made him go kill him. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I thought <clears throat> you were saying they were involved somehow. No, they were not. Okay. I kind of got confused for a second there, too. I was like, why yeah, don't right. they send that on themselves? Yeah. Okay. 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 I sorry. thought it backfired on them. I just keep calling Tate LaBianca as the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to give respect to the people who suffered. And uh, if you get into that, they're also. Uh, Bugalosi had been, uh, he'd gotten into it very, he, he was mentally unstable. Uh, is the lawyer was? Yeah. Hmm. He could turn it on and be very concise in a courtroom. But here's something he was in trouble for just before he was assigned. He uh, was stalking his milkman. He was convinced that his son was not his son, but the milkman had gotten with his wife. We've all gone through that. That was like a common problem, I feel like. Yeah, we've all and gone I through understand. that. Well, milkman used to deliver milk. You well, think you, of the UPS guy now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I know. I, I actually know about the milkman because I've seen like old. You've seen your father? Like, no, just like the old <laughs> classic like TV shows and stuff. Yeah. And yeah, like it's my understanding that just the milkman, he really got around. He knew how to be a ladies man. And well, so, he was there when husbands were gone. And, yeah. And I'm not surprised that that guy would stalk him because it's like, this is upsetting. Well, it was totally just something he fabricated in his own mind by everybody. His wife even said that. And he was hounding them. Of course she would. Well. <laughs> Let's not put conspiracies in the conspiracy right now. Let's, let's leave that on the table. All we're saying is we think that his wife was having an affair with the milkman, but move on. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, then you're just like, you know, uh, Bugalosi then, you know. Uh, but he got convicted of stalking. Bugalosi did? Yeah. Oh. Well, I've not heard that. Well, why haven't you heard a lot of things? Why didn't we hear about the laptop until... Uh, I'm not kidding. I've read 10 books on this. I've never heard this. Okay. That's because it was hushed up. Okay. And the LAPD did a lot of it. So it was a misdemeanor. And so he got to keep his law license. Yeah. They, they pled it down. Okay. Because he... Let me just... Here's what he did. He was stalking them so much that they had moved and he would write them letters and say, oh, I saw you moved. Here's your new address. 
And yeah, that's, he goes, yeah, that, that wasn't yeah. nice. Okay. That's creepy. Okay. Yeah, super. You, that, that he also, here's one, I got to tell you this story. He picked up the little five-year-old girl of this couple. Oh, man. And took her and got her toys near Christmas time. Are we talking about and Joe Biden or Bugalosi? Bugalosi. So he got her toys. And then he dropped her off at home oh, with these toys. What kind of toys are we talking about? Just one she wanted. He bought them for her. So he was like Santa Claus. Yeah, and she was super. She she told this story to uh, O'Neill after the fact. You know, I, she was in her thirties and said, "Yeah, I was really happy. Thought it was great, but boy, my parents were freaked out. There were police there, mm-hmm. and they saw Bugalosi. They knew he was doing it." Okay, you got me convinced he was creep. I'm not convinced yet. So okay, that's, keep going. Those are our positions. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, let's just say that he uh, was compromised when he was assigned the Tate murders. Okay. And the idea is, it wouldn't be hard to tell him this is what you're going to do, and he'd have to do it. And he was, you know, for instance, Tom O'Neill and him were working together quite a bit on, you know, this story he was doing for premiere. And, you know, he was, yeah, I'm the best prosecutor ever. He was kind of an egomaniac. Uh, But that was okay. He was trying to get information out of him. And he uh, asked if there was anything else he could tell him off the record. And he told him, you know, just a quick reference to, well, there's that time my secretary and I went with this gal. And she did. And it was a very strange reference. Well, he looked into it. It turned out that he had a mistress that was Catholic. And that's important. Oh, I do like that. It's important yeah, because she got pregnant and he said, you're going to have an abortion. Mm. And she said, no, I'm not. I'm Catholic. And he so hounded she her. She would have a sexual affair, but she's like, no. Yeah, well, you that, know what? Abortions are worse. So. It was California. Anyway, uh, they he hounded her so much that she he went and beat her up one day. Bugalosi did this? Yes. He beat her up, and there was a police report, and he was in serious trouble at that point. We've just kind of gotten worse. I feel like we could have just started with, like, the last two where he took a kick. Because, like, I can understand, hey, like, this milkman, he looks a lot like my son. But um, then you get into the even more important part where he was like, I actually got in trouble for it. This guy's messed up. I, you, you won. You won. You did it. Okay. Well, in other words, let's say that there was a pattern of mental illness at minimum. And this pattern of mental illness caused this, you know, the fact that he was assigned to one of the highest profile cases at least in LAPD history at that time, or in that part of the country, or maybe ever. Uh, and Helter Skelter is still the best-selling uh, crime novel of all time. So you've got that guy. And by the way, he didn't write the book. He had a co-writer with him that, was, that he had employed during the trial to write the book Helter Skelter. So, Bugalosi has some issues. Um, Wikipedia doesn't mention his crimes. Oh, yeah, I know. 
Uh, like I said, this didn't come out until about 2000, by the way. Okay. Um, so you've got this, this whole mix. How hard would it be for him, CIA to say, okay, this is what Bucalosi needs to do as the narrative? Because actually what we did was we got Manson to do this crime because we wanted the Tate murders to happen so we would chill the effect of Black Panther Party and the liberal movement in the 60s. And I think, James, you might agree that that did chill the hippie movement or sure. basically oh, shut absolutely. it down. Yeah. And that was it scared. Those- it scared a lot. The hippie movement, a lot of people don't know that was not a lower class thing. That was, you had to have money. Middle class, that, yeah. Yeah, uh, well-educated kids. Imagine Dwayne living around that time. They don't even that would suck in that area. They don't mention it at all. Usually, Wikipedia will just debunk it. Wait, wait, wait. They don't debunk it because they can't. Well, they didn't say it was happened. Uh, James, how? how <laughs> wait, how do you spell this guy's name? Buglosi. Bugliosi. Okay, spell I get it. it. Spell it like an Italian would. In 2023, you think that B U G L I gets Wikipedia you there. would mention. I'm, I'm just saying that. I'm, 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 I'm just saying this, that, that I'm going to read that book, by the way. Definitely going to read that book. I told you I was going to wait till you presented it first. Yeah. But um, I just want to tell you, who's this guy that wrote this book again? Tom O'Neill. He was a journalist for Premier Magazine. And that Premier Magazine is just basically covering the, you know, you know, the Hollywood scene and that type of thing. So he went to start doing a fluff piece on, you know, the anniversary of the Tate LaBianca murders. And just, he started, he found this connection between the head of MK Ultra, the a major, and one of their major researchers that happened to be maybe knowing Charles Manson. And, you know, there's also a... Let me ask you, was Charles, or is he claiming, have we gotten this far yet? Is he claiming that he got to Charles too, or did Charles get to his people? He's he's not claiming anything because he's super careful. Okay. Okay. But he speculated that some people say that's how he put it. Okay. Let me let you finish because I got lots of questions. Okay. Well, I don't know if I have lots of answers because this is so thick and deep. I may have forgotten about half of it already. Oh, hold on. I turned you down. You had noise. Now, okay, go ahead. I said I have a bunch of questions too. Okay. So we're gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna do my very best. And I'm going to try to answer them, but it's... I just took a vibance. I probably will shut up now, so uh, I'll let you finish. Okay. <laughs> so, so the idea is this. MK Ultra was trying to get mind control to work. They had breakthroughs. And so they wanted to shut down the, the whole liberal hippie movement. How would you do that? J. Edgar Hoover had a program as well with the FBI. I'm sorry, I forget the name of it now, but he had, uh, West actually wrote him letters saying, uh, the, what we're going to have to do is, I've got this new technology, we need to uh, expand it to the field. And they say, what does that mean? Well, if we're going to get rid of the whole liberal movement, we have to have a horrific murder of uh, the Hollywood elite. 
Okay, that was a letter between. Couldn't get any more lead at that time. Rosemary's Baby just came out. You know, it was Valley of the Dolls. They were. Yeah. Now the other thing we have to do is Roman Polanski is also a horrible person. He uh, just likes them young. Well, he, they supposedly when they went into the murder scene. See, I thought he was. I thought he was Mormon because he's. I don't care how you bring him, just bring him young. Oh yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, apparently that the Vivans hadn't kicked in yet. Anyway, <laughs> um, the the thing that they found, they found a videotape. At the time, video was very unusual. But Roman Polanski, being a filmmaker, had a video camera and everything, and they found a camera. And the the original story was it was them. Uh, Sharon and Polanski making love, and so they didn't want to put that. Oh, out. Like a Paris Hilton sex tape. Yeah, except what Bigelosi said off the record, but now it's you know there's it's come out since then. He never disclosed the off the record stuff until it was out in the public anyway. That the actual videotape was. Uh, Sharon Tate against her will having sex with two men while uh, Roman Polanski directed it. Are we surprised? Yes, that's sick. Well, okay, Roman Polanski was sick. He still is. That's sad. Like, I'm, I, that's very sad, but that guy's sick. Yeah, he wasn't a good guy. So you take that too, right? Uh, at the time, that's who they came after. Polanski, Sharon had came back because she was going to have her baby. She was with Polanski on, on set for one of the movies. The guy's good at making movies, but he's a horrible human. Anyway. I didn't like any of his movies. Yeah. Well, a lot of people do. Yeah, I know that. I yeah. just, I'm just saying, I've watched a couple of them quit. He says, Roman Polanski, I'm not going to like it. Yeah. But anyway, they, um, so you have this whole salacious thing, this party house where they partied a lot. And uh, all sorts of people came in and out that they didn't know. Uh, there's even some indication that Charles Manson may have been at one of those parties or two because he, you know, was doing. Well, he was friends with Frakowski. Is that his name? The guy that that was the keeper who kept who kept up the place, yeah. even when the Beach Boys had it. Yeah, and he's also Frakowski. He was also part of a. Um, the Beach Boys drummer and him hung out a little bit. In a sick way, yes. Yeah. Um, I just want to, sorry, I want to cut in really quickly. You're saying you couldn't find anything in Wikipedia about it. I did find a lot of information about him stalking the milkman. Really? Where'd you find that? I sent it to you. Um, sent one of the documents to you. But if you well, I was look, trying to listen to Glenn, so I guess it's If you look excuse. up Vincent Fugolosi Milkman, a lot of stuff pops up. <laughs> I guess we should So, yeah, it. just look up the specific. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. <laughs> That's WordPress. <laughs> there you go. Anyway, the, the, if we, you, you think about this, how hard, with what we know in 2020, how hard is it to think that the CIA would have a program and they would use that program and they go, wait, we have this asset that has all this information on how mm -hmm. to do this. We could get away with this and we could shut down the whole movement. And I think you'd agree, James, at least I remember, basically the hippie era was over that day. Yeah, yeah, it, it killed it. It did. That, that, and a, that, and they were turning to Jesus, a lot of them were. It was both. It was both. They, they, they had some place to go. But the other thing you've got to remember is that 
it was thought of, well, how hard, this is just kids being kids. And, yeah. Uh, no, yeah. That, and that's then now they have this thing, they're going to become horrible murderers for using these drugs and being in this movement. You need to stop it. And so America gasped. Let me just say this. That happened during the Nixon administration. And there are a whole lot of people who I think are uninformed who go, oh, Nixon was a good president. He just, you know, no, Nixon was not a good man. And I think Nixon was very capable, even if capable, but not a good. Yeah. Yeah. But I think he's capable of doing even approving something like that. And whether it got to him or not, I don't know. He did not like gays. He did not. He did not like um, counterculture. And he 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 I'm not saying he did do this. I'm not at all. But I am saying But you could see it. I could see him doing it. Yeah. I could see the CIA doing this now. You know, you oh, know, no question. Okay. You now, know, you guys cut me out. You guys cut it out of my one of my podcasts where I was saying they're very capable of that. May I try to say it again? We Okay. <laughs> I could see them doing a program and pursuing a program like this. What I'm not sure of, was it successful? Now, if you go to the 70s hearings, they say, oh, yeah, we did that. And, yeah, it was horrible. But we didn't. We stopped it because it wasn't very good. The problem was Helms had already had all the records destroyed of what they did. Okay, Helms, what was his first name again? John Helms. And Charlotte knew of him. Yeah, he's head of the CIA at the time when this was happening. Was he kin to Jesse Helms? I think so. Mm. I actually do think so. That's that's interesting. That's a plot. Yeah, the guy, and he tried to talk. The guy that takes down Nixon, basically, because he's a Republican and goes with the impeachment side, yeah? Well, the other thing is, uh, O'Neill. Wait, wait, no, 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 no. I'm confusing him. That's not, that's uh, not Jesse. I'm sorry. Take that back. Okay. Well, he did try to talk to Helms himself. Okay. John Helms. And he had an interview set up, and John Helms was going to, you know, do it, and then found out what he was going to ask him, and just couldn't make the interview, you know, and he kept trying to get him to, trying to get him to, and uh, because they were both from Pennsylvania. Okay. Are, are, have you finished the story story? Because I'm, I'm ready to die to ask questions. Okay, you're going to have to because I'm not even close. We may have 14 or 15 Well, just more. keep on going, no, because I thought you were, the way you were, you, you sounded like you were summarizing. I'm summarizing. Up to right this now, point. Okay. Up to this point, that there's more to it, but. I, I, there's no way we can get through the whole right, thing. Well, the three sentence uh, thing of it would be this, that there was a, a, um, a, a movement of communism and liberalism that the, you think that this, that the government at that time that was in force and effect did not want it to happen. They found out that there was technology that they could cause people to do what they wanted them to do. So they decided that they wanted to end the hippie movement. They could kill two birds with one stone by getting a hippie to be into this program unknowingly have some murders taking place in Hollywood. That was the middle of all of this decadence that they needed to go after. And it worked. Yeah. Now the thing is the hippie who didn't know may be in dispute. He may have been trained by the CIA in on it. Yeah. yeah. And he wanted to be in jail anyway. So that would, that yeah, I want to go back to jail. I want to live there. I love that. He's crazy enough for that. Wait, wait. But I thought that was after his whole, like, I want to go back to jail thing. Because he was put on parole after that. And then he became part of this group where they were doing the drugs. Um, Yes. But remember that there were years 
that he just had this get out of jail free card with his parole officer. Yeah. Before he went to the summer of love, by his parole officer's request, he said, go to Haight Ashbury. I sent him to Haight Ashbury on parole so he could get all that love. And Okay. Let's just see if we can get going. We only got 12 minutes, to, uh, 14 official minutes left. All right. So anyway, that that's all right. We got your summaries there, except there is he may have been in on it. He may have been in on it. He may have been trained by the CIA to do it. Okay, let's move. All right. So if you get go through all that, there is compelling, reasonable evidence to suggest this was some kind of operation. It may have been coordinated by FBI and CIA, MK Ultra was involved can you make that total connection no because there's no documentation that charlie met with uh was it more likely than not i think so okay good enough for me we're not trying to convict of any crimes yeah all right more likely than not also doris's doris days there's a little bit of here uh, this is kind of going backwards. Don't you bring her into this. Well, I'm going to because her son was involved. Oh, boy. Her son was a mu- uh, music producer, and he was music producer for Beach Boys. Okay, sirrah, sirrah. And he was very well known and very competent, by the way. Okay. Now, he knew Charlie because Charlie hung out at the Beach Boys' house, right? So he knew him, and he, Charlie wanted to be a singer, remember? Yes. And he, he, he was auditions. Bringing by, he was bringing by tape that day that he met uh, Sharon Tate. And he also uh, auditioned for this producer. Yeah, he bombed. Yeah. <laughs> now, yeah. now, the producer on the stand said, oh, no, no, I saw him one time, and then I told him we wouldn't do it. Turns out that's, that's not exactly correct. That's right. I got that from trial transcript. You're right. That's what. That's where I got that. He said he was sucked, and I just sent him away. Yeah. Well, that's not true, huh? Well, he did suck, and he sent him away. But he didn't send him away. They still hung out. Yeah, like they, he made some recordings with them, and yeah, they're they're. Yeah, cool. they and and sort of like Charlotte. after the, what we don't remember is the murders happened, but it took four or five months for him to put. The family involved in it. Gotcha. That's true. And so. In fact, they read, they, didn't they read, didn't they go after Frakowski first? Yeah. 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 And also, they, this producer went to the ranch to see Charlie several times after that, according to witnesses. Before the arrest? Before the arrest. He also had probably pretty good idea that Charlie had something to do with it. According to O'Neill's research. All right. So, what's her? What's her son's name? Her son's name is. Gosh, of course. Don't worry. Don't worry about it. It's not that important. I just wanted a name. Uh, yeah. There's a name, and I'll find it. That was my mom's favorite actress. Oh, cool. Doris Day. Well, she was, you know, Rock Hudson and Doris Day. Yeah. How could you get any more storybook than that? Uh, hetero than that. Mm -hmm. That's a very good. (laughs) She dressed conservatively. Her her humor was always clean. And um, she sang wonderfully. Yes. I mean, I've seen pictures of her, but I don't. She was the archetypical. She's adorable. Absolutely adorable. She's adorable. Yeah. Wonderful. Uh, uh, you know. A wonderful lady. You know, you know, even if you don't like old American movies where the dialogue is unrealistic, 
Charlotte likes those dialogue what movies. Was, what were okay. Mm-hmm. She, you still want to watch them. She's just adorable. She is. Okay, go, that's the okay. perfect word, Sarah. So okay. her, so her, her son. son did things that were adult things. That were not he adorable. Had a job. Yeah, well, he just he just hung out with some people. Well, he hung out with that scene, and he was at the Tate house a lot. He had uh, Candace Bergen and him actually lived at that house. Really? To, before Tate had it, before the Polanski had it. It was a wonderful location. Yeah, yeah, that's why, you know. Uh, and there are also the La Bianca murders. Uh, that was to supposedly, uh, because I think Doris Day's son owned it at one time. That's why they linked it and that he had shunned him. And that's why he went after La Bianca. It is La Bianca. So all these years have been saying it wrong. Thank you for correcting me. So anyway, uh, that's the real rough uh, outline of it because there's there's quite a bit more if you read the book. All right. The part that you just gave, well, what's, the, what's the significance of that is just to tie it into? Ties it in to the fact that he lied on the stand about never seeing Charlie again at, at the trial. Well, let me, let me, let me get. All right, and yep. that Bugalosi knew he lied. Bugalosi. Who um, uh, Gosh, they are Doris Day's. Sign. Oh, sign. Okay, sign. Yours does. All right. All right. So I'm not trying to push you. Are you finished? I don't want to. I'm, I'm finished as I'm going to get. Now I'm going to try to answer questions. Okay. But I'm not. But let me make good, let me make an observation on the trial because I read all these things when I was still working offshore. I read those books. I, in fact, everybody thought I was weird. I was reading them a little bit in high school. I didn't. I always thought that I started I reading. Friends some, who read them. I always said I started reading late. I don't think that's true because I know I read that in high school because I was home when I read it. Um, so, so I got the, the, the first book that came out was Helter Skelter by Bugliosi. And, you know, I thought he was brilliant, you know, cause he came up with all these ideas on connecting because the whole idea was we can get Susan, Susan Atkins, we can get Krenwinkel, yeah. we can get, um, the rest Tex, of them, Tex, yeah. right? they can get the rest of them, but getting Manson was not easy. And so they needed to time. Well, I was really impressed with the way he went and came up with this idea of saying that they were going to. You know, started Black Panther Revolution and all that good stuff. Then I graduate from law school, read it again. Then I'm kind of indifferent. Okay, lawyers do this. At that point, I'm going, that's what we do. And then I read it the last time we decided to go through MK Ultra and all those things. Somehow another Manson came up and I read a couple of books again. And I'm not impressed anymore. Here's the thing. Some people convict themselves. One time I handled, I helped Sarah with the trial. She doesn't need my help, but I helped her. And I was not quite prepared as I should have been. It was a little trial, not a big deal. Mm-hmm. But then the guy started hanging himself. The guy that I was crossing yeah. started talking. And I just shut up and let him talk because, you know, that's what you do as a lawyer when you realize someone's digging their own grave. I'd say he wasn't just talking. He was, he was being very aggressive and angry. To the point, by the end of it, he was the alleged victim, and the bailiffs were trying to protect my defendant client. See what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I'm saying that Charles Manson hung himself. That having those, he jumped, remember he jumped over the, the counsel's table at the trial, tried to get to the judge. Um, those girls would start hollering and screaming so that they couldn't even stay in the courtroom with him. And I think it scared that jury so bad, they said, we're not setting these guys loose. 
you know, that he was going to get that conviction. Mm-hmm. I don't care what he went up there and said. See, this is the thing. Um, I would like to add in my thoughts on everything that was just mentioned. Specifically, what piqued my interest was that Charles Manson was on it, like in on it. Um, so the statement he made about wanting to stay in jail, that was before he started that program. So he starts this program um, with the Jolly and Smith guy. And that was the first time that he tried LSD, like around that time, which that's apparently that was supposed to be like a treatment facility or something like that. And it's like he just got on LSD. Like that's the time that he tried it. It wasn't that he was having a problem with it before and then went there for treatment or something. It was like crazy coincidence that this person who's working on LSD projects is meeting with um, Manson and he starts LSD at the same time. Um, And let's see. Another thing that like we all know about Charles Manson, he was very manipulative and he liked that. And so I could see it as he kind of figures out he was he had a high, high, high IQ. He could have figured out what these people were doing and was just like, let's freaking go. And he, he had absolutely no adult supervision. So he was having to reinvent the wheel on how to be a human. So, um, and I'm not justifying this. You know when you're doing wrong. However, what she's saying, he was brilliant. Don't don't think that he wasn't. He was brilliant. And he wrote songs and all kinds of stuff. He was not. Oh, also, the, the person, Doris Day's uh, producer's son is Terry Mulcher. Okay. Okay. And he would, in, in what, what Manson was accused of, too, was uh, he would take these people, like these uh, people at the ranch, on trips, like LSD trips, and he would do less LSD and have them do more. And in the time, like guide them on their little trip journeys. And so it seems like he picked up what the CIA was doing and either was working with them or used. I got techniques. you. Or was trained by. Yeah. Where are you getting your information, sir? Me? Uh, I, based on research that I've done before. And I was just looking at the timeline of the first time we t- tried us LSD, the time that he was working with this facility, the, um, when he started gathering the group and uh, how they, how they interacted, like what his role was. Well, this is going to require ever. I don't know if Dwayne was in on these early podcasts on the on, but I know that I'm pretty sure Sarah and you both were in, mm-hmm. were here when Charlotte was talking about outside of Los Angeles there was some type of a, and that's where I was. I brought up Linda Ronstadt being silly. Yeah, the that's me. Remember the book I couldn't get on my iPad, and you know, I got real mad. That was the book I was trying to get. I have it now. But it was basically saying it's really weird that this all happened around that area. And that, you know, maybe this was who who ran that program? Okay. See, I thought that was MK Ultra. It is. Okay. So they are and it was uh Sidney Gottley was the head of CIA overseeing that program, but Jolly West. But when you name the people that were out there. Okay. I don't know. I never did connect what Charlotte's problem with it was. It sounded like to me that it was somebody with an eye for talent because they, be. it was the Eagles. It was Linda Ronstadt. It was um, Joan Baez, maybe and, and, someone like yeah, that. Yeah. And it could be that it just happened. You know, think about our founding fathers. It's incredible that that group of men came together yeah, yeah. and hammered out anything. that's why we think it's divine. Yeah, that's true. So, so that was divine out there because that, that really is when you look at the stars of the early seventies and there were some mega stars 
most of them were named that day. I was going like, well, I don't know that there's any rigging going on there. It sounded like to me they were recruiting good artists. And it could be. But also, if I see a bunch of good artists and I'm a nefarious wanting to shut down that type of thought process. Okay. For the re- because songs. That's it. That's it. They were using it. Songs. Okay. Think about it. Songs are something you hear over, 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 over again. If there's a message in that song, I mean, you've been singing them this morning. Yeah. It and, sticks, doesn't it? Yep. 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 No and doubt. If it's. And I'm Songworm King. I got a song will get in my head and stay for four weeks. Right. And everybody says, how do you learn all the words of these songs? Because they stick in my head. Yeah. yeah. yeah that that re- repetition is what does it. All right. Well, help me. What was bad about what Charlotte was saying? And what, what was her criticism of this program that was out? Because I'm trying to connect it to this. Okay. Well, I don't know. I haven't. Dang it. That's why we that. need her here. Mm-hmm. Okay, but anyway, there was some connection there. There is a connection because it was sort of in the same area. All right, so the things that you introduced new to me today was that Bugliosi was a creep. Mentally ill. And it was at the same time of the Manson stuff, by the way. Like, it, it, this, he was being, he was acting this way in 1968, so. That's that's new to me, yeah. and, and Sarah showed me some things in typewriter, so it must be true. <laughs> <laughs> so, so that's that. All right. Then the next thing was that um, I've always pictured Cielo Drive is his getaway, not a social gathering place because it had big gates. It had ways when you would go to check when you would go to Rick Dalton's house, there was no gate. Mm -hmm. But to go into now Rick Dalton's fictional, but it's the house they are using the house next door uh, model of it. That's where he lived. Okay, so in that movie, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Rick Dalton lived next door to Sharon Tate. You could just drive up. They made that clear. You could, you could see dr- her house from his. Yes. You could see the gate, right. not her house. Yeah, now you could see. Well, you could see the house from Hollywood. You could yeah. see. You could see the house from Hollywood because the whole thing about that that neighborhood. They make fun of how much the taxes were that he was paying. It was a lot. It was high, high, high above even the Hollywood sign. It was way up there, and they could look over all of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And the so you have that plus. Think about it, even if I have a gate, but there's a party going on, mm-hmm. I might let anybody in. And yeah. Charlie knew the gatekeeper, by the way. Now, that day, it was locked. Yeah, sure. I mean, they weren't having a party. I'm saying that Charlie way. showed up at some of those parties because he had LSD. Jay Sebring was there, and 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 um, and I call Folgers were there. Neither one of them lived there. Um. All right. So, but anyway, I believe you. I'm not. I'm not doubting it. So, I had a very, very wrong impression that that was a secluded spot. That that was Polanski's place to get away. That's not the case. No, that's where he lived. Okay. That's the next thing. The next thing that I'm. That I guess I'm surprised at are. Um, I, I guess. I guess my my no. I, you know, you answered most of them. I, I don't get the connection with Doris Day's kid yet, though. That didn't make okay, sense. Okay. That that was the narrative. just that he lied. The narrative was that he went, picked the Labiante because he owned that house at one time, and so he picked that house to kill the Labiancas and just kill everybody in there. That's the to other one. Scare him. I thought it was Lobianca. It's Labianca. Yeah, to scare him, uh, into you know, let him know I've got, I'm coming for you. Now in the in the in the book Helter Skelter, if you've not read it. You need to. It's it's a, it's easy read. It's not a, it's not a great read. Now, is a, is a, a ninth grade? I mean, excuse me, an eleventh or twelfth grader. It was a good read. 
Mm. But um, but in that book, Bugliosi alleges claims that Charles Manson was able to make a watch stop that never would stop. It was he would talk about how accurate that watch was and that it would never stop. And so he was bragging about it to his one of his friends. And then Charles Manson, he sees him staring at Bugliosi. Bugliosi sees him. And he starts laughing, and Bugliosi looks at his watch, and the clock has stopped. The watch has stopped. Talks about that. The other thing is that somehow Manson, who was in solitary confinement, was communicating with the girl defendants, the women defendants, okay? Specifically, Susan Atkins. The reason we talk about her so much, the reason she's remembered so much is because she was the ringleader of the ones in prison. Squeaky Fromm was the ringleader of the women at the ranch okay so so uh susan Acker was really kind of a nobody until then she became the ringleader in jail that's according to the book mm-hmm. all right now susan atkins good family she was a good family but uh they did things that they were communicating there was no question they were communicating now i kind of when i got older i go well you know jailhouse thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> jailhouse and if I'm trying to write something that looks good and I'm not, I'm okay with fabricating, I might say a watch stopped. Well, you know, he didn't fabricate. The, the Black Panther thing was real. That's true. And the, one of the witnesses that was on the stand, um, he had left. He was one of the few that, few that was able to get out. And he's the one who told the story that Chet Charles Manson said about patting him on the fuzzy head and telling him to go pick cotton. Came from Kim. Mm-hmm. I can forget his name, but he went clean. Ended up becoming a legit mechanic or something. Mm-hmm. But um, um, I don't think that Bugliosi invented evidence. I think he put evidence on that was given an inference that wasn't true. Right, and and what you know, he did know about um, Terry Melcher. Not he was at the lying on the stand. Lying on the stand. He knew. Okay, that. that's bad. And um, I would never let I would never let that happen. And he didn't know about that. I say that my Lord, goodness gracious. According to O'Neill, he has documentation that he knew. Okay. Okay. Well, you, Dwayne, you said you had some questions. Questions and comments. So Bugliosi probably believes that the watch stopped. Yeah, no, yes. I agree. Mind than Manson. Manson was in his head. Yes. That's a good point. That's all that means, I think. Yeah. And then this whole um, this whole delusion thing is fascinating. So, you know the tragic story of my nephew that um, took his own life a few months back. Well, in the past year of being involved with trying to help him get on the right path to get get away from uh, the life of drugs and and getting in trouble. And having other friends help him, uh, one was also an attorney that was in the Boy Scouts um, that hired him and took great risk to his own practice to try to mention him back into uh, a normal lifestyle. And in the process of interacting with him over this past year, there was some delusions that were happening. I was witnessing for the first time in with my own eyes, that he was having delusions of people doing things and after him. And I didn't understand. I figure it's just an artifact of some drugs he's taken over the past, you know, half a decade. And 
after he passed away, just maybe a month ago, I was watching an old rerun episode of Dr. Phil, and he was talking about a situation that just blew my mind. And I wanted to um, tell you what it's called here, and it might be related to this. It might be related to the MK. Mm-hmm. Um, Delusion order precursory time. Hey, start over. You broke up. Might as well start you now. Start over. It's a delusional disorder precursory type. A non-schizophrenic individual experiences non-bizarre delusions where the central theme involves the belief that they are being conspired against, cheated, spied on, followed, poisoned, or drugged, or obstructed in the pursuit of long-term goals. Man, I can see where you and, came up while you're saying that. That sounds like Bugliosi, doesn't it? Yeah, and then this uh, thing here where it talks about non-bizarre delusions, there's a bizarre delusion also, and the difference between bizarre and non-bizarre is simply non-bizarre are things that could really happen in life, but it's probably not happening. Mm-hmm. Whereas bizarre delusions might involve things like ghosts and Bigfoot. Stopping clocks. Stopping clocks. Yeah. I mean, for him to, for him to think it makes sense now what you're saying because he thought that Charles Manson was able to stop his clock, his watch. At least he wrote about it. Yeah, now we yeah. are. Well, I mean, he may have been delusional about other things. I get you. I get you. This del- and this, this is the guy they put in charge of the trial of the century. Yeah. This delusional disorder is not fully <laughs> understood what causes it. It often is, is um, goes through a phase in a person's life. And it also can be brought on by drug use. I will say this, that once O'Neill and uh, Bugliosi started have a falling out. I mispronounced it at first. And I sent you the wrong direction. It's Bugliosi. Bugliosi. Once they uh, had a falling out, he got very aggressive. And he wrote a, he found out who the, his publisher was. He had told him who his publisher was for the book. And he wrote a, I want to say, 36-page letter with 56 pages of footnotes. <laughs> That's not that unusual, Sarah. All those books that Jim buys me like his, like his uh, mentor write, mm-hmm. half the book is. is and I, I agree, but think about that. That's what he did. But that was one letter. There were 10 letters all together in a very short period of time saying how he's going to sue them into the next century. And uh, the lawyer uh, the lawyer actually talked to O'Neill and said, uh, let me ask you. And he goes, when they got the first letter, he said, the lawyers want you to call. He goes, oh, great. I'm in trouble. <laughs> and so he calls the lawyer and the lawyer goes, I got one question. Do you think this man is suffering from dementia? And he said, no, no, I I did not get that impression because he had, remember, he had done for one, for a four month period, they talked every day. Mm-hmm. He also had done six hour interviews with him mm-hmm. several times. And uh, he said, no, I didn't get that impression. I'm no doctor, but no, I did not get that impression. And he goes, okay, because this stuff's crazy. He's right. The lawyer's words. Okay. So you know how, how the government, when they want to have, pl- plausible deniability instead of doing something directly they'll get one other person Mm -hmm. that's not a payroll regular employee they may get a one-time cash payment 
but they get them to do the work of getting somebody else to do it. So they try to, it's like having a subcontractor of a subcontractor. You get so many deep, you then you can't trace things. January 6th. It gets, it gets mm-hmm. lost. So I, I'm wondering if Charles Manchin stumbled on the information or if he was given and leaked the information by by giving his ego a little um puff by saying hey did you know you could probably control people this way i I might say that i might agree with you he stumbled but he had he had a parole officer with one parolee and when he was not his parole officer that same parole officer when his uh 15-year-old girlfriend had a baby, uh, Charles Manson. He uh, took that child in because she was going to jail and uh, fostered that child. Him and his wife fostered that child for some time. Charles Manson? I, yes. I would, I would think Charles Manson's ego would be played so that he thought he stumbled. Gotcha. There you go. That makes sense. That, yeah. I get you. I get yeah, you. That, that's very, very possible. And that just blew up his ego even more. You know, one of the ways to create a criminal is a parent that sees a child with low self-esteem to falsely create self-esteem. Real self-esteem, healthy self-esteem is only created through actual accomplishments, Mm -hmm. achieving. But if you do fake things, you can blow up a child and cause them to be more of a criminal type mind. Yeah, you know, I don't know if I go criminal, but I will say this, that I refuse to let my children engage in resume building. If you are going to put it on your resume, you have you need to have earned it. You need to have done something. And, and because that resume building, I think kids even know they're frauds. Yeah, you. You, you. <laughs> you joined the, you, Sarah joined the tennis team to be fun. All right. I don't know that you put that on anything, do Never. you? Right, because she sucked at it. Yeah, she liked to play it, but she no sucked at it. There's no need for me to tell anybody. And that's the same thing with Spanish. I can, uh, I can hear Spanish, and I can somewhat speak Spanish, um, but I don't say that I speak Spanish because I don't want to get off an impression that I right. am. Well, my idea. my daughter basically has uh, a Spanish degree from tech, but I said, why don't you put that down? She goes, I don't. I can't speak it. I know how to read it and everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I get you. What I'm getting at is what Dwayne was saying. Real quick, yeah. and tell you are next. I yeah. promise. What Dwayne was saying is, if you if you if you, your children grow up and they don't ever accomplish anything, you're creating a situation that they're not going to understand how to accomplish, and they're going to go into something that's not real. Well, it's not even just how, like not accomplishing something. It's it's making them feel like they've accomplished something when they haven't. Is that what you're saying, Wayne? Like it's it, false. It's, it's building a Charles Manchin style ego. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're just all powerful mind controlling type person. So the reason I'm saying this is remember afterwards, many years and decades afterwards throughout prison life, his ego just got bigger. It did. Amazing. Yeah. It did. You're correct. And, and the only thing that that can logically contribute to that growing ego is false accomplishments or senses of accomplishments, whether they're true or not. And so he has to think that he accomplished things. And I would think that stumbling on the M, uh, the MK Ultra recipe and mm-hmm. actually 
it and having all these young ladies do these things for him. And, you know, that that's just ego forming right there. You're next. But I, remind me, my question is going to be on technology. You're, okay. t- you're up, yeah. Sarah. No, and what I would say about that, that, like, I really do, I agree with that, um, with that assessment, because um, especially as far as, like, the women goes, it's really easy to manipulate women. And especially, I would say, if you're, like, putting them on drugs, the young women who don't know any better. I've only shared this article, this, mm-hmm. oh, this is to you, yeah. to, for you to comment, okay? So, this is for Sarah. I, I came across an article written by somebody that I didn't know, so I couldn't verify whether it's really accurate or not. Mm-hmm. But, the the, but the thesis of his article was that TikTok and social media, TikTok in particular, is having bad effects called icks, things like that, on women, whether they're conservative or liberal, that it's having an effect on them. So a woman who's normally liberal they're going to sleep with men maybe or whatever, right? But mm-hmm. conservative girls go to church, blah, blah, blah. They're not going to go have sex and whatnot. But the social media is causing all girls to head in that direction, whereas social media is not affecting social uh, the men like it is the liberal men. Liberal men are being affected by it. Yeah, now, cut off your junk. And, now, yeah. yeah, now whether that's true or not, I don't know. I'm kind of asking Sarah because she's closer to that age that yeah. they're talking about. So you're a little bit old for it. Yeah, no, I, um, it's funny because I know people my age who do have TikTok, but like, I think that I'm the, I'm the generation that, um, it's kind of acceptable to have a TikTok, but at the same time, like, I think more serious people are like, I'm not dealing with that. That's stupid. But I do know a lot about TikTok. Um, I would say that it's a lot of, okay. Um, the problem with TikTok is that you have a lot of ego building and you have um i would think that it becomes very appropriate to be immodest and so whenever you have this um and then and then you listen to the music that's put on there and the the type of videos that are put on there it's making it socially acceptable to be um i think more sexual and so I could see that kind of freeing it up for everybody. And especially if you have girls who aren't strong in their values, like even if they are saying I'm conservative, um, it would be really easy to fall into that kind of trap of this is what everybody's doing. So that's OK. Um, and then for guys, I would think that you have more like Andrew Tate kind of things where they might follow that kind of stuff more than. Um, I will tell you that guy draws me like Georgiana does. I don't know what she's saying. I, I, I listen to her. If I start up a speech of hers, I stay to the end and don't understand it. That gum thing she's saying. Mm-hmm. If it doesn't have subtitles. Yeah. Well, I think that guys are maybe conservative guys might be drawn more to that kind of stuff, um, which makes them not as, I don't know, affected. Okay. Well, let me ask you this. In both. The, this is for all of you, but I, I probably Glenn is, is the one that's presenting here. You kept talking about technology. And, and, and I'm going to digress a little bit. When I was a senior in high school, the first R-rated movie I went to was a Charles Bronson movie. Uh, it was called Telephone or something like that. Telephone, Telephone, something like that. And I kind of quoted it earlier, believe it or not. I quoted a movie during the podcast. Gosh. There, was a, there, was a, there were some people programmed to kill government dignitaries, people that were important in the government. And the way they would do it is they would call them on a telephone 
and they would quote, the woods are lovely, dark and deep, and I have promises to keep. Remember, Glenn, I have promises to keep. And then they would go do their thing. They'd go kill them. Mm-hmm. Is that the technology? Yes. Okay. Absolutely. All right. So that movie's worth seeing. Okay. Because it stuck with me. I've only seen it that once. Of course. Well, the Manchurian Candidate was originally with Frank Sinatra, which I would recommend that one. Uh, they redid it. I don't know if I'd recommend that one as much. Okay. So, so how did that, so do you think that, that, that Charles Manson, let's suppose he's in on it, he would go up to Susan Atkins and say, in effect, and I have promises to keep. Remember, Susan, I have promises to keep. Something to that effect. Something that, that's a little glorified in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, what he would say is, you know what you have to do. Here's the address. I need you to go there and make sure no one lives. It's more direct like that. Yeah, that, that, that's more direct. I mean, like, it, it's not like, hey, go over there and murder these people. It's but it not wouldn't a be code like, word. Uh, okay, they kind of knew they were in a cult, too. These people in the movie, the Telephone movie, they were unaware they were assets. I think these That's the MK Ultra's ultimate goal. Okay. By the way. And here's one other thing I'll talk to you about. Guess who? Um, Charles. Guess who uh, Jack Ruby's psychologist was? I don't know. Buglosi wrote on him a lot. Jack Ruby is uh, Jolly West. No. Wow. Yeah. And you know and that he did it the same way as he did with the airmen. He said, "Yeah, I'm here to be his psychologist. I can get a confession out of him." Wow! Wow! And Bugliosi is known for be out there advocating it. Only he did it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, mm. and if you remember, Jack Ruby didn't really remember what he had done. He did it in front of everybody. I figured he lied. Yeah. Ruby killed. Man, uh, Char, um, the murderer, the kid, the assassin. Gosh, that's oh, illogical. Yeah, um, <laughs> lithonomia. Lithonomia, the guy that we should know. Who killed? One. Who killed JFK? Dwayne, you know you're gonna know. Uh, Oswald. Thank you. Yeah, he killed Oswald. Oswald, yes. Right, <laughs> and so and 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 then Bugliosi immediately after that writes a book saying that there's no question that's the only person who killed Kennedy. Yeah, yeah, that was that he was working on that forever. Okay, so so you both of you have answered that question, and so it's not it's not going to be something is it's not some code word yeah, that it's, you it's call not, yeah. up and do it. Yeah, you know, you it's don't more persuasive. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, like he, he had a relationship with these people too, and again, I think that that's why he probably you could pick up. Okay, drugs are helping; they really help get these people in line with what I want them to think. Um, he's able to take them on these little trips together. You have these young, impressionable girls who are trying to like, um, he probably made them feel like they were his special girls and would they do anything. Were in a way. Yeah, yeah. 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 And so, um, <laughs> and they showed in, 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 uh, they do such a good job in, in once upon a time in Hollywood, pussycat mm-hmm. underage, even Yeah, just as sweet as she could be. But mm-hmm. when she went in there, she could turn angry in a Split second. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, I, I could definitely that, see his that's test. That's why I think the trial, they didn't ask some of these holes in the a narrative that no one followed up on them because of this, them acting out so much. How, how are you going to, how are we going to prevent them from doing that to all of us? They may be doing it through our media right well, now. Well, if the government tries to give you a drink, don't take it. Probably. Well, that drink is information. That's the thing. That's yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. That is the thing, isn't it? 
It is. It is. And, and Glenn is worried about TikTok. Now, if, they, if we ever find out that they are causing people to commit murders, you know, in other words, it's some, then I do believe at that point you well, can stop a murderer. Think about what they are advocating on TikTok. Don't get married. Are so they? If I was, yes. If I, <laughs> don't get married. Cut off your junk. You're not really a male. Think about it. I mean, well, it's hum. People send me TikTok stuff and none of that. Yeah. Okay. So it's, it's like obviously you're gonna have a, a variety of um, I got videos on there, but what you're really thinking about is like what are they pointing at their younger? I got audience? you. And I got you. They have admitted that they have a button. Barons did a whole story on this. I think it was Barons. They have a button say "Go hot," and they can make anything anything they want, any subject they want viral. I think. They did this on this Palestinian thing. Well, I mean, it, it was part of the debate, the Republican debate, which, you know, it's not really a debate, but Ramaswama, Ramadama, Ding Dong, Vanderlick, what's his name? Vivek Ramaswamy. Ding Dong. He, he got into it with Nick, Nikki Haley and said his, her daughter was watching TikTok. Now, I thought that she was right. She has the right to keep my daughter out of it. And he mm-hmm. goes, the That's problem funny. is that you just brought it up and that is so showing there's the problem that that she's exposed to this. You know, that's what he turned it around on her. I thought they did a good job on that. You know, if you watch that debate, what are they talking about after the debate? No one's talking about what DeSantis said or anybody else said. It's Ramadamadim. And the only one they talk about is Nikki Haley response to Vivek. All right. Now I've got to know this. I got to know this. He says that she's something in heels. What did he say? Um, uh, Dick Cheney in heels. You have in five inch heels. And did he say that? The two? <laughs> yes. I didn't know if you the, have two people. I saw it on Illinois. Dick in heels. And, yeah. It was and he said, right, right as it was going off, he said, there's two of them. And he was talking about Santos mm-hmm. having lifters in his boots. What? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Oh, it didn't, oh man. Oh, it was. It, listen, listen. You got to watch it just for the entertainment. If you'll go that. to Il Donaldo, uh-huh. they've got it broken down showing you how, it's impossible, how it's impossible that he's standing like that, that he's in. Uh, his I ankles are about out of the top of the boots. Oh, that's funny. Well, so what? You know, but it's still. You know why? But you'll never get it out of your head the way he said it. You know why? To me, you're showing it, you're, that you're inadequate, that you feel you're inadequate if you you've know, got to do that. Ben Shabibo accepts his height. Ben yeah. Shabibo, it recognizes that he's a short boy and he- I guess that's Shapiro? Yes. Okay. And he just goes along with it uh, and that's kind of like a running joke and it's just like, if you're not that tall, I don't know, like it's weird that you would have that insecurity to the point. Greg Gutfeld does the same thing. Okay. Now, now, he may now, have been told to do that too. We put Dwayne yeah. on hold. Dwayne, did you keep your marker in your head? Yep. So all they're doing is fighting over second place. And if you're in the um, not Trump camp, then you're not even in the fight. So all Ram's doing is trying to make Trump say, oh, you just got a point with me. That's all. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of with you there. Yeah. Yeah. So so Trump hinted yesterday as to who his running mate's going to be. Oh, really? Who? Bowtie boy. Really? Yep. Wait, who's Tucker Carlson. Oh, wait. It's- Holy! <laughs> Talk about entertaining. <laughs> That's even surprising me. Wow. But he's hinting. He's not saying. 
All right. Well, we got to tie this up. I, it, it was fascinating. Of course, you know, I could talk about Charles Manson a lot, and uh, you know, because I am, I am very, very much um, interested in that topic because I lived through it. I was ten years old when it happened, and I was thinking that the whole world was falling apart because these Vietnamese kids, these kids were coming from Vietnamese, stabbed next door to me, mm-hmm. and I, uh, you know, hippies down the road playing music in their garage, and my dad effing hippies he never said hippies without using the f-bomb in front of it as when yeah, that was a good thing yes <laughs> yes and 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 I, I, we went to a place called master chef we only had a burger king burger chef and a master chef and my father mm-hmm. one time it was smaller it was a small town at the time you had a tv show and they would these hippies came in there and they would squirt um um catch up onto the ceiling with the squirt bottles and they would turn their cokes over and just trashy, you know, and nobody would do anything about it. And I thought the world was coming to an end as a 10-year-old. You want to know why I'm anti-liberal? To me, I could not stand what I was seeing. So, you know, I did read as much of it as I could on it just to try to figure it out. And and and, and the thing that hit me, Bugliosi does a really good job on this part of the book. When he describes the origins, where did these people come from? They could have been my sister. Mm-hmm. Very well could have been Marsha. Mm-hmm. Very well could have been Donna behind at the door, the girl, the girl in behind us. And I thought of that and, and I went, man, I'll never do drugs. I won't smoke. I won't drink. I'm not going to have sex with, until I'm married because I saw that as bad, right? And so it had a good effect on me because I was scared of being bad. <laughs> <laughs> Just put it that way. I was going, you start down that road. Can you ever stop? Start wearing blue jeans. Well, we were wearing blue jeans. That's the thing. I don't remember blue jeans. Kids maybe were, but you didn't go to college yet. with blue jeans on. All right. So when, so when was, um, when was, um, 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 who's the guy? Oh, very young. What will you leave us this time? You've only been dancing on this earth for a short time. What's his name? I told you he was be. What's his name? Um, oh, he turned. He turned Muslim. That helps. Cat Stevens. Cat Stevens. When was he? God, because <laughs> in that in that song right there, you, you they're, they're faded like your dad's best jeans, denim blue, faded up the sky. He his dad was wearing blue jeans. He, I guess when he worked. Yeah, you did. If you're if you're a blue that's true. Okay. Okay. But if you went to college, which where these kids came from, you didn't. Hmm. Okay. Well, all I can say is don't do drugs. Don't do drugs, kids. <laughs> well, well, wait. If you do LSD, just make sure that you get like it tested first to make sure it's pure LSD and it doesn't have anything else in it because you don't overdose on LSD, but you can if there's something else in it. That came from the prosecutor, Sarah. Yeah, and you can <laughs> you can overdose on MDMA, even though it's probably going to be a better high. If this were text, you'd put a sarcastic emoji there. Okay, yeah, we're gonna put it. Act like April just said that. Okay, <laughs> so you know when when you had me turned down, I I um I had a thought of if I was a defense attorney, all these women that are getting prosecuted for having sex with high schoolers. That's yeah. what my defense would be: is the TikTok effect. Hmm. Yeah, TikTok. they're messing with my mind. It's MK Ultra via TikTok. Yeah, so what's really what's, good point. what's the answer for someone who's a conservative guy that's Christian trying to do it right, and you try to walk the girl to the door, or you try to 
treat her very much like a lady. And now you always hear these, I don't want him, he's too kind or something like that. I guess you just have to wait him out and grow up. You know, I was talking to Doc about this the other day. There's a move, there's a book that all of his baseball friends are going through. It's like called like single something married. I can't remember what it is. I actually bought it. Single dating marriage Um, or something. That's it. It's that book. And um, it's interesting because it seems like there's been a wave where kids are wanting to push back at this um, insane lifestyle of like, and, and, and I, I feel like yeah, I've been watching a lot of planned pregnancy stuff, like uh, what no, pre- planned parenthood um, stuff. Is there where, something you need to tell us? No, I, I, it's, it's all like it's a woman who left uh, planned parenthood and became very anti-abortion. Um, and, and she actually became Catholic, too. But uh, she she was explaining Planned Parenthood's business model, which is promote pregnancy. Like you uh, basically um, you give you get girls on the pill. Pill doesn't work all the time. And so it's more likely that they're going to get pregnant on it, which is insane. I didn't know that that was actually a thing. Um, you know how the pill works best? Mm-hmm. Put it between your legs, okay. knees, put it between your knees. Okay. So anyway, um, yeah, so they put them, they put them on the pill. Um, the pill doesn't work. They have their abortion. And basically, uh, I'll summarize it. Their business plan is trying to get girls to have three abortions by, their th- by the time they're 30. Oh, my. Yes. And so, uh, and apparently in a lot of like liberal places, it works. Well, you see this with the TikTok stuff, too, where it's promoting these like uh, promiscuous girls who are just, they, like, they want to be like a boy and just have all this good time or whatever. And, um, and... I think there's a push away from that now with like that. First of all, starting with that book, like a lot of guys are wanting to read it. And so doc and I were talking about, I think the way that you get away from it is the guy's lead. That's my theory. Yeah. Thank you. I didn't know that y'all came up to that conclusion. I came to the same conclusion. I can't, yeah. to me, to me, the guy, all right. So the, you know, the, the, the old story back when I was a kid was that the men with the gas and the women were break mm-hmm. breaks that they were, the, the girls were responsible for start stopping the guys. And I would tell those guys, you're crazy. Mm-hmm. That's just going to, that means you're going to be paying child support. Yep. That little $10 sundress she's got on, that's going to lead to thousands and thousands of dollars of child support. That's oh, what yes, I'd say to no you. breaks. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've had to teach all my boys. Mm-hmm. You are the breaks. And I'm going to tell this to anybody listening who's being teased because they're a virgin. I didn't care because you know me. I don't care if people tease me or not. I got married as a virgin and I'm happy I did. There's, I know some people can say, do you have any kids out there? Or I don't think so. I know. You don't have to go, you don't have to go chase after milkman. <laughs> you know what? I figured if he was good enough for Charlotte, I, she, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. We never had a milkman. Anyway, look, it was, it's been uh, enlightening. I, I want you to conclude with this before you get into the PJ's coffee. Cause I know that that would stop Manson murders, but that's not what, <laughs> what I want to know. I want to know the conclusion he reached, and did you agree with it? That, because of the area he's dealing with, I think his supposition or what he's saying would someone who read all the information would think, because he doesn't ever have a conclusion, but that the government designed a program that was designed to stop the liberal hippie movement it worked, and Charles Manson was their trainee, and that 
how can we think they haven't continued that research gotcha. just because just because they, they we had a hearing in the 70s they probably perfected is what they've done advanced yeah, it. and maybe without drugs they're probably on 14.0 or something now. <laughs> so the book is chaos by time time uh, by tom, tom o'neill and they don't they're not kin to the people who have the propane industry here in ruston no they're okay. not okay so tom o'neill um it's not the baseball coach tim o'neill no tom o'neill chaos uh, I'm I'm recommended even though I haven't read it because I'm going to definitely read it. I all right, now it if you're interested, I, in that at all. my theory is that is that if PJ's Coffee were in Halt and PJ's Coffee were somehow in in in, in California and Los Angeles at the time, that those murders would not have happened. I'm not sure about that. I will know that you would have seen all the connections <laughs> easily. And you would have asked the right questions, and perhaps the truth would have come out because of it. But uh, I do know that if he had, if those people had gone to PJ and experienced that peace and that calm and the wonderfulness of the aromas of the coffee and the bakery and the uh, delicious sandwiches, energy boost, energy boost from Red Bull instead of LSD. They would have been, uh, because it's Red Bull's all natural, they would have been much better off and probably would have gone down the straight and narrow. Good. Let me just say this. Let me just say this. I did have my first sip of coffee since I was a little boy. My mom tried to give me some. Had my first sip. It was PJ's from Houghton. And I can honestly say, after having that first sip or two, I did not want to murder anybody. (laughs) Huh? Yeah. Well, we're done. We're gonna we're closing it down. Wait, wait. All right, Doug. We're recording. Yeah, we can turn it off. All right. So, thank you guys for listening. That's an interesting way to go. You can see that we do have work here. There you go. Say goodbye to Anna. Okay. Bye. 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 Bye.